welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carl Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Big Ben and Dirt. Once again, I have another special guest with me here in Spartanburg. I met this brother probably about two, three years ago at the uh, Big Ben's Men of Vision Summit. Mm-hmm. Um, where a lot of brothers came together to fellowship and, you know, share about their dreams and their visions of what they want to do in life. He is the, the owner of Juice Man Todd's Lemonade. Uh, Mr. Tay Todd, known as the Juice Man. How you doing? I'm good, Pops, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I appreciate you taking the time to join me once again today. So, like I said, we met at the Men of Vision Summit. I think Ben had about two or three of them. Uh, I think it might have been 2021. 2020 or 2021 was the first time he had the Men of Vision Summit. Yeah, I think and, uh, we uh, we met at the first one. And then I, I think he had two so far. Yeah, he had two so far. He didn't do one uh, this year. I know he's got some plans going on but I, i'll let him reveal that as well but yeah we we met at the men division summit man it was a, a overall a great experience um but uh for you just talking about that summit how how was that summit for you being able you know fellowship with a lot of men uh, a lot of brothers you know coming together to share their, their dream and their vision uh for me that summit you know it give out a lot of motivation Mm-hmm. A lot of motivation. So um, with that summit, you may go in with one state of mind and come out with a whole different mindset on a, like, you know, I'm finna go get it. I'm right. going to get it. Um, it's really, um, with that summit, it was the sky's the limit. And, I mean, and with that summit as well, you never know who watching you because um, Ben included me in that summit, like, as far as my product, and he didn't have to. So it lets me know that, you know, he sat back and watched me and was like, you know, I deserve a position in this part of to be a part of this. So um, the first year, it was a good turnout. Second year was a good turnout. Um, I, I, the second year, I got an award for it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. both. I wasn't did. even expecting it. I wasn't either. Yeah. I wasn't either. And like I say, that goes to show like you never know who watching you. So right, um, I got a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah, because it was me, you, and Doc. Um, Doc is a good friend. Shout out to Doc. He uh, he was actually on the podcast with me last year back in December when we did the the roundtable conversation. But yeah, just uh, being able to you know be around a lot of brothers and uh, fellowship and you know write down your goals and because you don't see a lot of men come together for things like that. Is you know, on time a lot of times. Unfortunately, we get together. It's like you know uh, going out to a club or something, party, having a good time. But a lot of times we need to come together more as far as, like, you know, building something pow- pow- um, powerful for our community and just, you know, sharing your dreams and sharing your goals, like what you want to do in life. Um, and a lot of times as men, you know, we can't hold those things in, you know, not share those big goals that I, we have. I mean, and then even on that note, um, without that summit, I would have never made a vision board. Like, I would have never sat down and made I mean, I know in my mind what I want to do and how I want to do it, but to actually put it on paper and say, this is what we want, this is how we're going to go get it, you know, these are the steps you need to take. Right. So. I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't even think people understand the power of, you know, writing down your vision or, 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 or what you want to do in life because when you, when you put it down on paper and you can go back and look at it, it gives you a vision of, like, what you're trying to achieve and what you're working towards. So then – once you accomplish those things, man, you can go back and look at that vision board and be like, man, I really went out here and, and made that happen. Mm-hmm. So was it, so that's something powerful to do. How did you actually, um, how did you meet Ben? It's crazy to say that me and Ben, we worked together at a plant. And um, he worked on one side, I worked on the other side. And 
Ben would always um, bake his cakes, and he would sell them out the out of the gate or that we worked at. Mm-hmm. So um, I ran into him. Might have been like on break or something. He would always sit desserts in the break room for everybody to try. So um, then I loved his I loved his hustle. I loved how he was you know go and get it. And then um, he ended up quitting. I think they might have told us something like we had to work seven days and. He had done told him, like, I'm not doing it no more. And um, he went full force with the case. So um, I started supporting him outside of work, and, you know, we just grew a relationship from there. And um, it was pretty much he gave me, he gave me motivation. Yeah. So, um, man, you know Ben, you know how he get. So it was yeah. just pretty much it became powerful, yeah, I, man. I was, I was going to say, was he always like this since you knew him? Was just, like, inspirational and just, you know, oh, nah, like nah, a go nah. Nah, man, he, see, look, this is another thing that blew my mind about him. He was so humble because you got to think, um, what we was getting paid for about a week, he might make that in a day, day and a half just selling cakes from the job. Yeah. So, and then um, with that being said, his truck had got stolen. And um, I remember you know, he I told never, me I'll never forget, his truck had got stolen, and I know that the seat was messed up and all, and, you know, he had the money to go get a new car or whatever, but he was so humble, and he had, I mean, he had a goal that he wanted to reach before he even bought a new car, and it was just stuff like that that just taught me lessons, man, and just sitting back observing him the same way he observed me later on. Mm-hmm. So, And I know, man, I know we're going to definitely get into your story, man, but it's always like when I'm on this, on this platform, man, I'm always giving him his flowers, man, because – if it wasn't for Ben, man, I don't know if I'm doing things to this level that I'm doing. Cause like I remember when I started out, I was just uh, it was a sports podcast. I did a couple episodes with my friends, then I did a couple by myself, just sitting in my dad's storage building. I went back to Upstate and recorded one in the library because I graduated from Upstate. Sat up there, recorded the episode by myself, and then I uh, started interviewing local entrepreneurs around the area. And I never forget my guy Dominique. Shout out to Dominique. He was like, "Hey man, you need to uh, reach out to this, this dude named Ben." He was like, "He was like, man, Ben will be somebody that'll be good for the podcast." And I think he was telling me something along the lines that him and Ben were they were friends on Facebook and they would just share books with each other, books that they would read or whatever. So I was like, "All right, bet I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to him." So I never forget, man, when I I reached out to Ben. And uh, just to like, I said, hey, I'm, this is what I'm doing or whatever. Would you be interested in sharing your story? And he's like, no no problem. He said, give me a call. i never forget, man, I was sitting at the post office one day, and I called Ben while I was sitting out there in the parking lot. And when I started talking to him, he basically was like, man, so so what are your goals? Like, what are you trying to achieve or whatever? So I was just talking to him, whatever. He's like, man, I'm just, he's like, he's like I'm just, you know, pick your brain, see what you want to, like, accomplish out of life. Like, what do you want to become? And it was kind of like almost like the first time somebody, you know, when you're growing up, people say what you want to do when you grow up or whatever. Right, but right, I guess right. it may have been like may may have been like the way that he spoke to me. It's like how he said it was like, what do you want to become? Like, what are your goals? And it kind of resonated with me. So, man, like we had – I plan, basically my intention was to say, hey, Ben, this is what I'm doing. Do you have a time and place you want to uh, shoot the interview? Maybe like a quick five-minute conversation, and then, boom, we just going to go set it up, knock the interview out. So, man, me and Ben probably stayed on the phone. That first time, we probably stayed on the phone maybe about a good 30 minutes. I'm just chopping it up. He picking my brain and, you know, just talking about his goals. Probably like a, maybe like a week later, me and Dominique went out to his house and shot it, uh, shot the interview. This was back in 2018. We shot the interview. 
man, we the interview was probably like an hour, a little bit over an hour and a half. But man, we shot that at his house. He didn't even have a store at all at this point in time. Maybe five or six months later, that's when he got the store for him, Big Ben's Dessert. So man, he was just talking about you know having a dream and a vision, and you know, and uh, the name of the episode is is One Man One Stove because he was one man cooking out his house, one stove, and just knocking everything out. So that interview, like people ask me, do I have a favorite interview? I always tell them I don't have a favorite. But if it was one episode that kind of stood out, I would say it's that episode because it was like the blueprint to everything that I'm doing, man. Because without him, man, I and I tell Ben every day, man, all the time when I speak to him, like, man, you don't know how much you impacted my life and what you meant for me, man, because you helped me set the foundation of, you know, understanding, like, having those dreams and those visions of what I want to accomplish. So that's what I tell Ben all the time, man. So I was like, I'm always indebted to Ben, man. Cause then, he, then the the dream big. I mean, dream big, yeah. So, um, with that being said, you know, like we might come up with a um, idea or a goal, and then, and we think small on it, and but you know, it's something he done always said: dream big, dream big, dream big. All the time, always stuck with me. So, with that being said, it's like, um, I'm not gonna say I'm taking the necessary steps that he took, but I see that it worked for him. And, you it know, did. and I'm motivated off of what he got going on. So now I'm taking those same steps and moving that same type of way to dream big. I mean, exactly. I never exactly. thought about stores and all that. I always thought about just me selling it. Right. And, you know, and, it's just, that's and now you can see somebody that you have access to, somebody you can touch. Like, man, he he's really doing it. Like, he just posted, was it last week? Well, he... He's in another a new, store. A new store. Yeah, yeah, he's in a new store now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, man, this somebody, man, we have a connection to. Like, we can, you know, reach out to him and, you know, just ask him different questions. Well, and even though he got a lot on his plate, man, you know, he always show love. Right. But it's like, man, we can see somebody right here with us, like, in the ground with us. You know, he's not putting on the front of for social media like he's living this glamorous life. He's actually putting in the work. So to be able to have access to somebody – they can, you know, put man, you on game. I know that if I need to call him, the best time for me to call him is on a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And I say that because it's his day off, yeah. you know. Uh, and even and then, he's still, you even know. Even then, he's, he's still busy. He may turn his phone off that day, yeah. but that's, I mean, around that time, Sunday, Monday is the best time. If you want to have a one-on-one conversation with him, other than that, the man is busy throughout the week. Exactly. But, what does it mean to you to have somebody in your corner that you can kind of like, I'm not saying that you want to just, you know, bug him all the time or just ask for, like, a handout or anything, but just to know that you have somebody like that in your corner, what did that mean for you? Oh, man, it mean a lot. Um, I'm big on stuff like that. I always say, like, if you when you got good people around you, like, man, you cherish that and you do whatever you got to do to keep those people in your corner because you don't come across those type people every day. Don't. And with that being said, I mean, those type people are rare. So um, I cherish that. I cherish that. When I got people like that around me, I mean, you, of course they're valuable resources, but, you know, you, you keep them in that corner. Most definitely. I remember uh, getting ready to get into your story, but I'll I share this before we, we share with more of your story. Uh, I remember two years ago when my book came out, you know, I was like, hey, Ben, um, I'm, I'm, I'm having my book signed, and can you come, you know, share a few words? He actually wrote the foreword for my book. Okay. As well, one of the fours for my book, I had three fours. His, my brother, and Miss Charlene from Charlene's Home Cooking. And uh, I remember and the even, two sponsors. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And um, and I remember at the time when I first sat down with him, he was like, uh, "Man, you remind me of a young Napoleon Hill." At the time, I didn't even know who that was. He was like Napoleon Hill was one of the was a, was a guy who went around at his time and interviewed the greatest minds that ever lived. And, you know, got the blueprint from all these successful people of like what it takes to become successful. So at the time, I didn't know who Napoleon Hill was, and then uh, you know. And basically, that's what I was doing, you know, just reaching out to different people, you know, sharing their journey of success. And then he wrote that in my book, and then he came to my book signing, and, you know, he gave a few words and said how proud he, he was with me. And then I, you know, I got it there and said a few words, and I just broke down crying because it just took me back to, like, when we first sat down, man, when I first started this whole entire journey, man, I didn't have nothing. The only thing I had was a laptop. Right. I ain't have a building. I ain't have nothing. I sat in my dad's storage building. And I just were kept recording myself, and I didn't even like the way I sounded. But you know, for all of that to come together for at that moment where I I was, still was traveling, started traveling across the country and interviewing all these successful entrepreneurs, and then I wrote a book, wrote a book, and had my family and friends, and then Ben came out there, and to see all of that because I had a dream or a vision like Ben was talking about, and to see how your vision could be so powerful that it pulls so many people together. Man, it just, it took me back to everything, and I just broke down crying in front of everybody, man. And even some of my friends that I hadn't even seen since college came just to, to my book sign. And people had faith in you. Had faith, they man. They had faith in you. So it's like, man, when you got people in your corner like that, man, you got to definitely tell them you love them, let them know you appreciate them, man, um, because that doesn't happen too often, man, nah, when people just, don't. you can bring people but together. Bro, like I be shocked at a lot of times. I be shocked, like, um... Some of the people that actually support me, and then the, the continuous support, like it'd it be shocking because I'd be on something like, like what am I doing to for you to just keep supporting me continuously, continuously? So, I mean, yeah, I just I keep taking my right. give them their flowers, give yeah. them their flowers. Because the thing is, man, people don't have to support you. Like they can they do don't. plenty of other things with their time. So when they make sure they. When they come out and, and support you, it's like you, you definitely got to appreciate it because at any given moment, man, they can just stop doing, stop supporting you and, and on to the next. They got plenty of other things. They got a life of their own, so right, they right, can start right. their own business. They got family. They got kids. It's the thought that you that you thought of me without you, with all you got going on. I exactly. Mean, or you thought of my business or what I got going on and in the midst of what you got going on. So, I mean, I'm thankful for that. Absolutely, 100%. So shout out to Ben, man. Like we giving you your flowers right now, just let you know we love shout you and, a, and appreciate you, man, for everything that you've done for us. Um, like I said, you've always been in my corner. You've been oh, yeah. in, most definitely, you know, most definitely. And yeah. I'm always be in your corner, no matter what, as well. And uh, so let, let's kind of like dive more into your story now. So for people watching this interview, this this may be a a lot of people's first time, you know, hearing about you. Um, like how would you describe yourself? How would you describe uh, Juice Man Todd? I um I describe Juice Man Ty. Um, I'm your local Juice Man. I always let them know that I'm your local Juice Man. So um, or when I reach out, I let them know uh, I'm the local Juice Man in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, me, uh, I sell lemonade. It's made with alkaline water and real fruit. Um, I have six flavors that I um I offer on my menu, and um we're serving it at five locations at the time. Mm -hmm. um, we got a new location coming up. Um, we've been doing this since 2020. Okay. So uh, you got some flavors right here. Can you 
can you hold them up and show them yeah. and talk so about them? Or uh, this camera right here, they can see you right here. These are my three number one sellers. Um, one of my favorite is not up here, but these are my three number one sellers. So we call this is real lemonade. Um, you know, everybody loves lemonade. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's, number, that's just a number one seller. But these two right here, man, I can barely keep up when it comes to these two. So, um, like you were saying with being earlier, one man, one stove is one man, one sink. I make mm -hmm. it, I bottle it, I sell it, um, everything. Um, this is juicy fruit, though. This is, we call this some passion fruit. And this is blue thunder, which is mm -hmm. the flavor of this blue raspberry. Hey, um, you, oh, go ahead, go ahead. All on made with real lemon. Okay, okay. So we we definitely gonna get more into like the lemonades and, and how you, all of it started, but kind of like your background. When you say you from Greenville, mm -hmm. what was your, uh, like how was your upbringing? Like, how was your childhood growing up in Greenville? Uh, I was raised on like uh, West Greenville, yeah. so on the west side of town. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm from Jonesville, like yeah. down towards you. So it'll so. be more so like on the outskirts of downtown Greenville. Okay. And um, I mean, I had a good childhood growing up. Um, I mean, I did the typical. You know, I went to the Boys and Girls Club. Um, uh, let me see. And my, I had a good child. I mean, I really, I really can't say. Mm -hmm. Did you do any uh, sports or anything growing up, or did you just play kind of like outside the school, like rec I was, recreation? Uh, I was outside the school. I did sports, like far as like going to the Boys and Girls Club and stuff like that. But as far as like full time, nah. When I, man, when I, br I broke my leg playing football when I was 13 years old. Damn. And once I did that. That was a wrap. Yeah, was like, <laughs> that, that, that's out of here. And then, um, you know, we played basketball in, in the streets or whatever coming up. And then for when they got to high school, I went to charter school. So um, I played ball for 9th, 10th, and 11th. And then um, my 12th grade year, I went back to public school. Okay. So I didn't play ball then. But um, other than that, yeah, I had a good childhood. Did you up. Did you end up going to, uh, let me see, because I went to school with some people, uh, some of my friends that I went to school with at State, they went to uh, Woodmont. Uh, Couple of them went to Greenville High School. See, my my eleventh and twelfth grade year, I went to Greenville High. That's where I graduated from. Okay. But um, like I say, ninth, tenth, in the beginning of eleventh, I was in charter school, Greenville Tech. So mm -hmm. um, now that experience, I really didn't care for, but that was more so what my parents wanted at the time. Greenville Tech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna ask you like, was school something like that you felt like? was for you or just like you say you kind of like already answered like you knew like it was kind of like what your parents kind of like wanted you yeah that's what they wanted and um school uh i'm gonna say i didn't get i didn't get in much trouble at all mm -hmm. um i did have i did maintain good grades um but i wasn't just really thrilled with school and then even after school i tried the college thing um I tried it at a local community college, Greenville Tech, and then I went off to school and tried it as well. Mm -hmm. Neither was for me. So um, I came back home. My parents was on like, you know, you got to get a job. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be around here, you got to get a real job. Not no play job, but a real job. And that's how it went. That's, that's the reason, honestly, like, I kind of went to school. Well, I always felt like we were supposed to go to college anyway, just like how the system, the school system just brought us up it was like mm -hmm. after that high school you go to college but I knew right away I was like man 
I've been having a good time in high school. I ain't ready to just go to work full time. Just 18 years old and just work, work, work. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, man, I know I ain't ready for that. So let me just go get four more years of college and then I could try to, you know, figure it out. And man, upstate, I mean, that was some of the best times that I had. Met some of my best friends, man. We we had some good times up there. But uh then it's just the I didn't really pay attention to like the after effects of like uh like the student loan side of it. I didn't really I didn't think about that part. Like, you know, you you borrowing money that eventually is gonna have to be paid back. In my mind, I'm like, well, that's four years down the line, man. I ain't I ain't worried about that right now. I'm just, you know, let me just figure and, and everything out. I ran into that problem, but I ran into that problem young. You know, when people go to school, they um and then they graduate and get a job, and later on they start dealing with the student loans or whatever. But you got to think. Um, like I said, I went to a community college, and then I left there. I only went there for a semester. Then I went to um, Payne College in Augusta, Georgia. Okay. And so right after all that, it didn't work out for me. I came back and got a real job. So then my student loans start hitting me right, right in. Yeah. So um, they was hitting off top. And so, I mean, I was, at the time, I'm 18 years old, and I'm, I'm making good money, and but the student loans is eating it up. So, and here, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and here. Yeah. So um, nowadays, man, I, if I was to do it all over again, I wouldn't think I would go to college. I think more so like today. I mean, people run the businesses without degrees, mm -hmm. and I feel like, um, I mean, what I'm going to tell my kids: get a trade. Learn yeah. a trade. I mean, that's just my opinion. Learn a trade. We, as long as you got something like that under your belt, you could always do anything else you want to do, but learn a trade. We just talked about this the other day when I had uh, Marcus from Marcus Mounts on, Marcus Porter Sr., and I was telling him, for me, just me going through it and getting my college degree from upstate, knowing what I know now, I would tell kids, uh, if you're not sure – or even if you have an idea of what you want to do, go shadow somebody that's in that field of what you want to do before you go to before you go to college. Because, man, you're saving a lot of time and money. So when you're working behind this person, they gonna teach you things that school might they're not gonna give you all these tools. And a lot of times, the professors at college they teach these business courses. They don't have a business they own self. Mm -hmm. So if I got a chance to you know go up under another entrepreneur. Or another work employee in a, in a, that's working in the field that I'm I'm thinking about going into, I feel like you got a better advantage of that, right. as opposed to you know going to school, sitting in the classroom. That way you can be more hands on, and then it's like a click like okay, this is what I really want to do. And a lot of times, depending on what you're going to school for. Now of course, doctors, lawyers, teachers, that's something automatic. like that. Automatic. Yeah, you know you need to go. But if it's anything else like. Like we had people that took uh that majored in like history or music or something like that. I don't know if you really need you have to go to school. Like you can go get a book from the library. Uh, depend I guess it depends on what you're trying to do with that yeah. degree. Yeah. But a lot of times, man, so much information is in a book, you can save yourself thousands of dollars instead of actually going to college. But for me, I just felt like that was really the only other option for and me at we, that time. We fail for not doing our research because mm -hmm. a lot of times it'd be directly in our face. And, but and the thing is, know. when we were in school, see, I'm I'm 31. I was born in 92. I'm so, 31. I was born in 91. Yeah, so so we didn't, we was coming up, 
social media was starting to like really bubble. Like we didn't really have like the YouTube or what it is now and Google and all that. Like not like what kids see now. Like you can like Google everything now. Like when we was there, like you could see it. But like YouTube is like a totally different yeah. thing now. Yeah, like, it really is, man. It's more so like hands on. Exactly. YouTube is hands on, and me, I'm a visual learner, so mm-hmm. I would have did YouTube would have did me a lot of justice back in the day if I can see it and see how you do it, and you know I go back and do it all over again myself. I already know how to do it. Man, YouTube will teach you how to change a tire or. Oil, take teach, a motor out, put motor, it back anything, in. Yeah, anything, <laughs> anything that you need now, like you can go to YouTube. I see some people call it YouTube University because yeah. that's what it yeah. really is, man. Like yeah. anything that you need, like it's it's good and bad now. Like they have some stuff on there that I don't get into, like. But like if you're trying to just like walk through something, like YouTube can help you, like even like putting apps on a fire stick or something. Like it's somebody yeah. on there. And, and see, I used YouTube uh, last week. One of my headlights went out. And the first time I used YouTube to do the left side, it was an easy fix. The second time I used YouTube to do the right side, I had to call somebody and get them to do it because mm-hmm. there was so much stuff down to get through. But mm-hmm. like you say, YouTube walked me all the way through it. It can walk you all the way through it every time. Um, so for you, what was that conversation like? I think you kind of like alluded to a little bit as far as like going to college and starting to figure out that school wasn't really for you. Like, what was that conversation like with your parents? Um, I really didn't even want to tell them. What happened was I I start I kept coming home, kept coming home every weekend, every weekend, and that was that was another problem. Uh, I would come home and get too comfortable. Um, they they really wasn't with it. They was like the conversation was it was real intense, real intense. Yeah. And I don't I always see my pops go and get it. I always. So but he don't always work the job as well. So um with that being said, they was just like, You gonna have to go get it. And you're gonna have to go get it. And then the jobs that I was filling out applications for, it was like I was still having to get like a yes or no answer from them before I actually took the job. Yeah. So, but with them, I mean, the way I look at it now, um, they was just trying to guide me in the right way. And you know, if I'm gonna go work hard, I had to go work hard for the right type of money. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I was coming from Greenville every day to Spartanburg for ten bucks an hour back then. Dang, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, I had a story just like that when I talk about working at the radio station in Greenville, uh, cause I was, I did broadcasting in college, and uh. I got a job at Intercom Radio. I graduated in 2014, 2016. I got a job at Intercom Radio. And I used to drive back and forth from Jonesville, driving almost an hour to work, about five days a week for $10 an hour. But like I was telling you earlier um, with Ben, they put us on seven days a week. So we may work. I'm working seven days a week, some eight hours, sometimes 12. It all depends. But for 10 bucks an hour, from Greenville to Spartanburg. From Greenville to Spartanburg, (laughs) man. From Greenville to Spartanburg for 10 bucks an hour. And I was just like, and you know, back then the cost of living was low. Yeah. So I didn't have any bills or anything really going on. So, I mean, I was straight. Yeah. But nowadays, no. Yeah, it ain't gonna work now. (laughs) It went work. It went work. It went work, man. But, but it's always a lesson and a blessing and everything. Like for me, it taught me about, you know, the behind the scenes of like, like production work of like how to 
edit a, an entire radio show. Like it, it, the beginning, I would have to edit like a three-hour radio show, and it might take me an hour and a half, two hours just to edit three hours. Once I got the hang of it, I could edit three hours depending on what they needed me to do, like leave the commercials in, take commercials out, add different type of filters in it or sound effects or whatever. I could do all that in like 20 minutes, right. maybe less than that, but it, it taught me how to do that. So I took that, brought it over to what I'm doing now, so now I can edit audio or, or video or anything that I need to do. The radio station taught me a lot of that stuff that I, that I needed to learn, so it was like, don't focus on the on the the money. Even though I knew long term, ten dollars an hour ain't gonna cut it. Right. But it was just like you know to kind of like put me in a position of like where I'm trying to so go. So the radio home. station taught you stuff that the school did. It taught me stuff school then. I didn't know not, nothing about. But that just goes to show more so experience. Like you know, uh, so you were saying earlier that you think you should go view a job. Of somebody working in that field before you actually do it, mm-hmm. so I just go off experience. Yeah. Now, now I did one of my internships that I got. I got it uh, when I was working uh, at the gas station at Costco, and uh, Coach Cox he came out there to the gas station, and I I used to see all these different um, team decals on the back of his window. He had the Hornets, Panthers, the Tar Heels, Gamecocks, Clemson. So I just talked to him and said, you, uh, you, you cover sports? And he was like, yeah, I cover sports. And uh, he said, I'm actually, he was like, I'm going to cover like something down in Columbia with the Gamecocks or going to Clemson or go cover something with the Panthers. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I was like, I'm actually looking for an internship. This was my senior year before I was getting ready to graduate. And he gave me his card, he told me to give him a call. So I gave him a call. And because uh, you know, sometimes people would tell you, reach out to them and you know, nothing even happened. They just say stuff like this. So, he was like, yeah, you can come help me out. So first game I ever went to was a Broom High School football game. So I was thinking I'm just going to go in there and just sit back and watch him, you know, do color commentary. Him and his uh, friend, I think Alan Knight, well, Broom, it was like a Broom uh, High School football game. And I went in there, and next thing I know, I'm thinking I'm going to sit back and watch. He, they throw me a headset. My first time ever walking in, I don't know nothing about doing color commentary or anything. Threw me a headset. I sit down, man, and you know they just made me feel comfortable because I played football and basketball in high school. So they used to just ask me my opinion on certain plays or, or what I thought about it. So they made me feel comfortable with the game. But it was like that was something that benefited me from college. You know, being able to get an internship like that because that was like a, a lifetime opportunity for me. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. That's the experience you needed there. Yeah. yeah, man. Cause you, like I said, you never know. And then, like I said, you never know until you ask somebody. But I was always thankful for that opportunity, man. But but it greatly it helped me tremendously with what I'm doing now. Right. So for you, um, did you have any siblings or anybody growing? Did you have any siblings? Yeah, I had a young sister uh, in house with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my, and um, on my dad's side, I had younger siblings. Well, two brothers, two sisters. Were you, so you the oldest? I'm the oldest. On so both sides. so what did they look for for you as far as like mentorship and them? Did you worry about them? You know, seeing you not finishing out with college or what kind of advice did you give them? Um, well, with me, I always kicked it like, um, do what works best for you. So as long as you do what best work best for you, because I mean, my situation may not be the same as your situation. So I mean, I always push them like to finish. But far as me. You can't really do what I did. Um, it, it, it just happened to turn out like this for me. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any 
for you, did you have any uh, role models or mentors growing up? Or was it kind of like your parents? Or? Uh, it was my parents. And then, as far as growing up, I didn't really realize how. I mean, I knew my dad worked a lot and he worked hard, but I didn't really see the goal. So I didn't know, like, why he was working so much or what the outcome was going to be. So, I mean, that'd be, and nowadays, I'm, I'm hustling that hard, working that hard, you know, to provide for my family just as well as, as he did. And, um, but role models, it was this guy named Mike Burdine, man. He was um, over the Boys and Girls Club. So he was a good motivation. Um, he was like our mentor. Um, if we had a problem or something of that nature, he made us uh, see it from a different point of view. Uh, he just pretty much made sure we all stayed on the right track as kids. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he was successful. So, I mean, I knew, we knew that he wasn't telling us nothing wrong. In our minds, Mike was rich, you know, but yeah. in reality, Mike wasn't rich. Mike was just doing good for himself. Right. So, did, did you see anybody growing up um, that was that was an entrepreneur? Maybe you didn't know it, that was the term at the time, but did you see anybody um, that may have had their own business um, while you were growing up? Um, man, it's gonna go probably go back to my pops, man. He um, growing up. He cut. He used to cut grass on the side. My uncle did the same thing. So, That's crazy. I mean, and uh, he was cut. He he drove drove trucks as well. So I seen him when he went to school for that. Uh, and then I can say he cut grass on the side. But today he cut grass for Greenwood County School District. Okay. But it's but it's from his business. From his business. So I mean, you got to think whether he cut anybody else's yard or not. The school gonna always be open. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, all the time. Doing it back then, I didn't really much notice what he had going on or see that vision, like I was saying, with that truck and trailer. Versus now, you know, with the zero turns and all that, it's, it's totally different. And mm -hmm. so, um, seeing him start out with a push mower and go up to all these other lawnmowers and stuff. So, I mean, I don't see his elevation over a course of time. So, I mean, that was the entrepreneur that I didn't know was the entrepreneur. Yeah, like I said, it's crazy, man. We got a lot in common because the person that I saw was my uncle, but I didn't know that's what we called it was an entrepreneur. He uh, so he he worked at Michelin, but then on the side he cut grass. But man, he had a lot of different uh, contracts with different places, and and if we wanted to make a little money on the side on the weekends, he let us wash his cars or. We might he might give us a weed eater and, or go rake leaves in somebody's yard in one of the places that he's cutting it, but I didn't at the time. I never thought about the word entrepreneur, but that's what it was. And we always knew he had money, yeah, because he yeah. had at least three, four people working for him, three, four lawnmowers, and all this type of stuff, man. And we would just go along with them. But at the time, I I just never knew. That's what I grew up doing. I grew up cutting grass. Yeah. That's, how, that's how I made my money, man. I, um, it was another guy. He worked on the farm. I mean, he owned the farm. Might have had about 50, 60 acres. And I would go out there, get on the tractor, and cut it, cut uh, cut everything. So, um, and then, you know, as a kid, uh, 13, even, even younger than that, I started cutting grass at seven. So by nine years old, I was, I was doing the weed eating. Yeah, all the, all the weedy. So uh, that's I, mean, I came up doing the same thing, man. Same yeah. thing. So, so for you, what kind of uh, what would you say was kind of like that moment for you? So you you working jobs and it, it's not for you, 
um, you got student loans and everything. What was kind of like the moment for you was like, would you say it was like a somewhat of a low moment or, or, or that moment where you figured out like this, something got to give, I got to, you know, kind of like do my own thing. What was that moment for you? Uh, man, the crazy thing is that moment for me was I seen a post on social media and it was like, uh, do you want to go to work every day and build somebody else's dream or do you want to go to work every day and build your own dream. So I'm like, hey man, every day that I go to work, I'm making it easier for you. This is your company, this is your establishment. It's but real. every day that I go to work for myself, I can make it easier for me. This is my company, this is my establishment. But, um, and you know, you get your breaking points. You get you get tired of that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm helping somebody else, but I'm not helping myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how a lot of these manufacturing plants are. I mean, they you building their dream, and they they putting enough in your pocket to keep you happy. But at the same just time, just enough, yep. just enough to their next check, and then the uh, next check. Yeah, but the thing is, whether you do the job or not, we gonna find somebody else to do it. So mm -hmm. I mean, that me, I see that. I mean, in reality, that's more so selfish. So I mean, you got to do what make you happy. Mm -hmm. So I mean, and that's what it is. Man, I had I had a a, a few of those moments, but the one that really kind of like changed everything was when I uh, graduated from college, and uh, I ended up having to leave the radio station because I wasn't making enough money. My student loan kicked in. I was paying five hundred a month, and uh, I was working part time at Costco, and then I got another full time job at this place at this plant called Eating Out in Duncan. And uh, I remember I was working probably, I worked 5 to 10 in the morning at Costco, then go there from like 3 to 11.30 at night. So that night when I went to work, it was probably like 11 o'clock. I probably had maybe like 30 minutes left. And then something just hit me. I was like, man, I got to wake up again and do this all over again at 5 in the morning. Yep. I was like, man, this something, something got to get. I was like, man, I got a college degree. I was like, I know I ain't supposed to be living life like this. Yeah. Like, Ain't no way, like, I can just live like this the rest of my life and work 13, 14 hours a day, give somebody else my time. And, yeah, you're making money, but at the same time, like, it's always like a next man up mentality for them. They don't care if you're going to do this work or not. When do I got time to live my life, though? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't wait. I just, like, it's like a program, man. Wake up, do this. Wait. I mean, mm -hmm. I just want to live a life where, I mean, I can at least wake up and it's an option to what I want to do. But the thing is, if you talk to most people, and tell them, man, all I'm doing is getting up, going to work. They're going to say, well, welcome to the real world. They're going to think that's it. Like, yeah. that's, that's what life is. You just wake up, go to work, pay bills, take care of your family, and that's it. Like, you don't have no you know, no free time for anything else. Like, that's what your life is. Man, some days it make me feel like it ain't enough hours in the day because, I mean, you, you know, constantly going. And I done learned that um, with business, Sometimes you actually have to work harder than what the job, you know, what you have to work Man, at an yeah. actual job. And I find myself like that on a lot of days. I might be making lemonade and I say, dang, man, I'm working harder than, than what I did at the job. But the outcome but is it's yours. Uh, it, it's for me, though. So yeah. I tell you this. So I, I still have my job right now, but I'm in a position now where I'm, I'm working on that transition because of, you know, traveling, doing interviews. The opportunity, you know, covering the hornets and everything. So I'm, I'm working on that transition. But it's like, it's almost like this. When you talk about this time just flying by, it's almost like the jobs play a, a mind trick on you because where I work at, 
they post the schedule for this week, next week, and the week after. So it's like you already looking into the future like, well, these the hours I got to work for the next couple of weeks. So right now we had the schedule out for the middle of July already. So it's like, yeah. dang, man, like look how much time is going by. You already focusing on, well, this is the t- amount of time that I got to get to this job over the next few weeks already. It's already like your life is already planned out for you. Right, and right. that's a scary way to think of about it. Like if you think, if you really sit back and look like this job dictates your life, you're like, what time you got to be here, what time you get to go home, and everything. Then you got to plan your life around those hours. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I recently got a job. So I I'm, I've got a job probably about maybe eight, nine months ago. But I will say this. Um, I got my job when I stopped running with the food trucks. Mm-hmm. A lot of the food trucks had ended up getting restaurants or more so going on, doing their own thing. So they started selling lemonade for me. So it left me at a point to where it wasn't much for me to do. So I ended up getting a job because I was just really sitting around every day. And um, But before I got the job, what I did tell myself is that if I'm going to dedicate 40 hours of my time to you every week, it's going to be something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going yeah. to dread going to work every day. Yeah, I'm that's the gonna, key. Yeah. I mean, none of that. So um, – once I got in the position to where I could pick and choose where I wanted to work, now it works out better for me. I don't mind helping you with your dream because my dream is already going. Right. So, like I say, if I'm going to dedicate 40 hours to you, I better enjoy it. And I, and I always make sure I say, hey, there's nothing wrong with having a job because it helps you, you know, pay your bills and take care of your family. It's, it's, the, like it's more so security, man. Security. I mean, and then as far as being an insurance, I mean, a a business owner, insurance purposes and, yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, I look at it for stuff like uh, a backup plan. Say, for instance, I don't know. I mean, I, we, we want our business to run for the long run, but um, if you was to ever run into a hard time, you could use your, your 401K from your job to support your business. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's just, like I said, it's a backup plan. I heard – I watched this interview probably about a month ago. Some of the best advice that I heard was from um, Maverick Carter. You know, it's one of LeBron's right-hand man, men. And he was basically saying, you know, quantify your upside versus your downside. Meaning he was like, let's say he, he talked to some college graduates at USC and he told them, let's just say you got a dream or a vision that you want to work out in life. So you, you have a job and then you quit that job just to go, you know, build your own dream. Just say your dream doesn't work out at that moment in time, and it and it and you have to, you know, it it just fails or whatever at that moment in time. He said, "Well, if you look at the upside, is you building your own dream for your own future. The downside is it didn't work out, but you got a college degree, so that means you can always just go back and get a job. Then, so it's like quantify your upside versus your downside. So, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe you got you got your own place." Trying to build a dream doesn't work out. You have to downsize or sell your home, move back in with family. Like, right. at least you got somewhere to stay. You might right. be with your family, but at least you have something. Some At least you gave it a chance. Yeah. didn't work out. You go back home, get back to the drawing board, figure out how you want to build your dream, and then you can go back out and do it again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, that was some of the best advice I heard is, like, quantify your upside versus your downside. But most people, we only look at, like the worst of what's gonna happen instead of like working not looking at it like okay how can we make this happen instead of focusing on that we just look at it like why this won't happen at all well i mean i feel like we're at a point now 
in our life, man, when we, we raising families and stuff, man, you got to maximize it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you really can't think small. You really got to maximize it. So if it take working a job and running two and three businesses, I mean, for to have a better future, that's just what it is right now. That's just what it is right now. Yep. I remember Ben told me something. Uh, when we when we first when we first interviewed, some of the best advice he told me was he's like, man, uh, people love to play it safe, but you can't get out of life alive. Like we play life like it's a like we playing a video game, thinking we gonna make it out at the end. He's like, no matter what you're doing, no matter how much money you make and what kind of job you have, at the end of the day, you gonna leave just like somebody who ain't got nothing. So. Mm-hmm. Why, why not go for it? Like, whatever it is, why not go for it? Why continue to try to play it safe all the time? It's like, man, you can't. And I'll tell you, I go back and listen to that interview all the time, and that part right there when he said, you can't get our life alive is just so true because no matter what, everybody got a day where it's going to be over with. So We all got a day. We, we all, all got a day. We don't know when it's going to be, yeah. but it's like, why not maximize that time and uh, figure out what it is that you want out of life? Um, so... Get into the lemonade. How did you? How did the the lemonade actually come about? Like, how did it all start? Um, with the lemonade, one day, um, my cousin called me. He was like, um, "Pull up on me." I'm like, "All right." So I pulled up on him. He was at the barbershop getting a haircut. So um, it was an old school cat in there um, named Rat, and Rat had a lemonade, and um, he had a few flavors. I tried them out. I'm like, man. This is good. He's like, yeah, and he uh, he pretty much he went he really wasn't doing much much with it like far as he had it in in the barbershop selling it, but he wasn't out like in the streets with it or mm-hmm. you know putting it anywhere. So I was like, um, I pretty much seen his vision on where he was going with it, and it pretty much gave me an idea. So um, I had started buying some from him like far as bottle wise. Then um. He uh he started he he gave me an idea he was like yo um if you want to cut the price we can just start doing this in gallons so I started buying it from him in gallons mm-hmm. so then um later on he was like uh you know if you want to cut the price uh I can just make a concentrated mix for you I was like okay and so I'm like man I can, I don't know if I can really make this lemonade and he was like you can do it you can do it I'm like I don't know if I really make it so. Long story short, I started making my own mm-hmm. with the concentrated mix. So then um, after making it with the concentrated mix, um, everybody was loving it. Everybody was still loving it. Um, I started making my own flavors. And um, mm-hmm. that's just how it went. And it started going from there. I was still getting the same good feedback from when I was first getting it from him versus me making it now and doing my own thing. So that's just how it went. And it's been leveling up since. Was, were, did you ever get in your head thinking like, man, I'm I'm making lemonade. Ain't nobody gonna really pay this no attention. Like, ain't nobody gonna really buy into it. Like, were you in your head ever at any point, like first starting out, or were you just kind of like sold? All right. So, man, this what blew my mind. Um, when I first started out, people started it was like, um, started tagging me on Facebook. Like, um, I really it was just, how can I put it? I really was. I was shocked. To this day, I'm still yeah. shocked because I'm thinking to myself, like you said, man, it's just lemonade, man. But they start hitting me up, like, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? I'm like, so I, I would go on vacation and people would hit me and be mad that I'm not around with it. And um, 
I mean, like when I first started out, man, I didn't even have a cooler. I, mm. I started out in a, uh, I went to the dollar store and I bought a uh, a clothes hamper. And, and you know the clothes hampers with the tops on them? Mm -hmm. I bought a clothes hamper and um, I put all the bottles in the clothes hamper with ice. Of course, it wasn't a cooler, so it melted fast. Yeah. But, it, <laughs> but, it, but it kept them cold. Yeah. And so, um, man, I would, I would post up outside the club parking lot, but if this was the door, I parked my trunk at the door. So, I mean, when you come out the door. Right there. I mean, I'm right yeah. there. So, um, what motivated me with that was when it, it was late night, um, people would come out the club and they would come straight to me. And, and I, I'm in my trunk doing my thing, passing, getting everybody bottles together. And I would look up and I got a line down the club parking lot. And I, I'm like, oh, man. So, and then halfway through the line, I may sell out. So, I might have started out with 25 bottles and start out, then go back out there again with 50 bottles and then 75 bottles and so on down the line. But I, every day I think to myself, it blows my mind when people hit me up at 9 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning, hell, even 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. You got lemonade, you keep bringing lemonade to my job and so on down the line. But yeah, I think. I but that, man, that's a, a perfect spot though because you know people got a club, they hungry, they thirsty. And yeah, you pull so, up right there, so it's... But, I mean, nowadays, man, um, when I was first starting out, I, I really called it the groundwork. Mm -hmm. I mean, even to this day, I'm still doing the groundwork. Within your business, you know, you're going to always elevate, so you're going to always be doing groundwork. Because mm -hmm. you, you never know too much. So, um, over a course of time, a lot of the spots that I was selling it at, um, they don't start selling it for me. Mm. So, I mean, I, I pretty much count them in. And, you know, they treat me like family. Right. I treat them like family. And we all just, I mean, I keep them stocked up. And, you know, we just keep it keep it all in the family. I mean, and I stick with a lot of people that I started out with because they obviously had faith in me. Mm -hmm. So um, those are the people that's going to always be in my corner. Did you ever have anybody that looked at you for a minute like, man, why why you selling them that? Was it anybody like that or was it pretty much everybody was just um, – more of you just being in your own head, and, and um, then they just started supporting you. Uh, I did have people asking me, like, you know, why you doing that? Up until they seen, like, what I was doing with it and how I was doing it with it, and they and that why you doing that went away. Mm -hmm. And um, I even had people that would, that would come up to me and I'm like, uh, hey, yo, how much lemonade? And I'd tell them $5 a bottle. They're like, $5 a bottle? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. And then, um, they, they may see something, they start seeing everybody with them. And they're like, yo, um, I'm gonna go ahead and spend my five, and they'll get a bottle. Exactly. And then, you know, they'll turn into a number one customer. Cause my thing is, they'll, you gonna go to Walmart or Target or anywhere else, you won't hesitate to, to get them five, ten dollars for whatever it is, so why not spend it with somebody that you know? Yeah. Do, you, do you get a lot of that though? Because people feel like they know you, at times, they may not want to support you because it's like a strange syndrome. It's like a lot of times, being being that you're from Greenville, it might be people that from from that area that grew up watching you. They feel like they, of course, they feel like they know you because you you grew up with them. They they may not tend to you know support you as other people who may not know you at all. Do you kind of like feel some of that around you? Uh, I do, but I don't let it get the best of me. Like. Um I just, I mean, I try to keep a positive mindset with a lot of it. So with that being said, um, when I do run into that type of situation, um, I mean, I overlook it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I figure like you don't have to support it. You don't have to support it at all. Like, um, 
you don't have to go to Walmart and buy whatever you're gonna buy. You choose to. Exactly. And, and and then it goes like it goes back to the job. So if you don't do it, somebody else may somebody do, it. do it. So yeah. I mean, and a lot of my customers, I may not even know. That's just because um, if you got food short selling it, or you got a gas station selling selling it, or um, meat market, or these random bars and clubs, if they selling it, I mean, I'm not giving it to the people from my hand. So I don't know a lot of my customers. They may know me. I may not know them. Right. So. Is that where the name Juice Man came from, or did you have that name nickname, you know, growing up just like Juice Man? Nope. Um, my nickname has always been Tay, but um, when I started selling the juice, it, I mean, I, I introduced it to them, let them know it's lemonade, but everybody started calling it Juice, mm-hmm. and then um, people that didn't know me would say, "Where's that Juice Man at? What a dude with the juice is at? What a Juice Man at?" So Juice Man stuck with me from then on. What do you feel like uh, separates, you know, your your business, like your lemonades from uh, from the rest? Because it's, of course, you you're in our area, in the in the Greenville area, in the upstate area, but it's like so many. You see, like you said, twenty five bottles at a club, fifty, seventy five, one hundred. Like, what do you think it is that just makes people just gravitate towards what you're doing? Real fruit, alkaline water. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, that's the inconsistency. Some consistency, real fruit and alkaline water. That's what that's what it's gonna be. As long as I can get that same taste, that clean taste, um, and like I say, it's real fruit. So um, that's, that's that's what it is. That's what separates me from everybody else. If you th- think about it, like, what do you think it was that made? I think you said his name Rat. Yeah. What do, What do you think it was that made him just come to you specifically and say, Hey, let's can you help with this lemonade? Like, what do you think it was for him to come to you with it? <clears throat> for his rat, um, and you asked about my childhood. Um, when I was a kid, it was a dude named Mr. Dendy. He used to go around to all the barbershops, all the hair salons, and he would sell it by the cup. So long story short, Mr. Dendy died, and nobody tasted that lemonade for years. So, um, but Mr. Dendy was rat's uncle. And he left the recipes with him. So, um, and, and like I say, Rat was doing his thing with it, and but he was at his shop with it. He wasn't really just out with it. And I knew that, that as far as the taste and what it had going on, it needed to get out. And then I needed to grow up myself like as far as my own flavors. So mm-hmm. it was pretty much, a, um, I started out with him. And like I say, now I'm growing. Right. How does he feel now, seeing from where you started to where you're taking it to now? How how does he feel like? Rat is a being. So if that makes sense, rat is a being. Meaning like like how being want to see us win. Oh, wanna, I got Want to see it. Want to see. Okay. He, yeah. he, I mean, if you you holler at him, he got the motivation for you. Man, he know what to tell you. Okay. Yeah. So I mean. When it come to rat, he's just like Ben. I mean, okay. he, yeah. I, can, I can call him, Perfect. I can talk to him if I, if I need, if I got a question on this, or um, if I say I say I get stuck somewhere far as like I don't made something and I'm not happy with it, like uh, he may can tell me what I did wrong or the next time that I make this, uh, do it this way, do it that way, and um, I mean, he don't always support me on what I got going on. Now, now that you're taking it off like this, though, um, 
Yeah, he's supporting. But do you do you look at it now? Like, do you ever think about like somebody? Because you know, eventually somebody else is gonna try to get into the same space. Do you embrace that as far as somebody else wanting to come in and make lemonade? Maybe not doing it the way you do it, but do you embrace you know like having other people come in? You know, whether it's lemonade or sweet tea or anything. Do you kind of embrace you know being somebody that kind of like laid that groundwork and like them seeing you work put in the work? you know, to, like, create their own, like, lemonade or whatever it is they want to sell. Yeah, I embrace it. Um, I mean, the way I look at it, like, it's more than one McDonald's on every corner. Mm -hmm. There's more than one gas station in the city, more than one Walmart. So um, uh, just the goals, I mean, it just all depends on where you want to go. My goal is to be as big as country time. So mm -hmm. if you just want to do it and you just want to sell lemonade um, and for a time being, that's just that's what you want to do, but more power to you. But this is what I I mean I I wake up I do this I go to sleep I do this I mm -hmm. do this like so I mean I uh, I don't knock them or nothing. Uh, if it come across my social media, I'm gonna share it. Yeah, because I see you sharing like a lot of stuff like uh like different foods and stuff on your right because I, I I want you to win whether right. whether. Whether you winning with me or not, I still want you to win. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want nobody to lose. I mean, we all gonna lose some type of way, but um, I want you to win. So whether whether you my competition or not, I want. I mean, because the people gonna shot with who they want to shot with. Exactly. So I mean, and my competitor, one of my competitors is I ain't gonna say really say competitor, but he do what I do, and he was doing it before me, um, Timonade, and um, I share his product all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean. And, he another guy that I could call up and ask a couple lemonade questions if I need to. It's just because he, he, he a vet in the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, um, he done, by him doing this for a while, um, we do do it differently. We do got different size bottles, but it's, it's all lemonade. But that's how it should be too, though. You know, it's always about, you know, uplifting each other and supporting each other. And, hey, I may not have this, but I know somebody who does have it. Mm -hmm. And it should be vice versa. They should reciprocate that same type of love. Hey, like, even if I don't have it, then I know somebody who got you. So, go right. And I, and, I, and this has been times to where um, I don't ran out of bottles before, and I don't call Timonade, and he don't have bottles, or um, I don't ran out of tops, and I don't call the crab truck, and and he got tops. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just I mean we try to just keep it all in the family. And right? one thing about it, man, when you do stuff like like that out of love and out of the kindness of your heart, man, it's gonna come back to you in a positive way. It may not be right then and there, but trust me, it's gonna come back to what people gonna remember that or, or somebody, it might be a stranger that might come in and bless you 10 times what you were even expecting. And the thing is, bro, that happens all the time, all the time. And so with that being said, um, I'm big on like, um, like if I show you love, whether you show me love or not, I'm gonna get love some other way. Right. So I give out a lot of lemonade as well, just because I got those people that call my phone or you know, or send the cash app and say, "Hey, here's a fifty dollar donation. Give out this lemonade today." Or, "Hey, here's a hundred bucks. Give out lemonade." Or somebody may come by, uh, five bottles and say, "Huh, here's a ten dollar tip. Get the next two people lemonade." You know. So I give out a lot of lemonade just mm -hmm. because people show people show me love. I mean, people may say, "Hey, I don't want no lemonade today, but um, here go forty bucks." 
I mean, mm-hmm. and, and like you were saying earlier, dude, that right there, yeah, it blow my mind. It blow my mind for people to just come up to me and, and I'm telling them sometimes like, nah, 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 and they make me take it. You yeah. know what I mean? And they like I said, they don't, they may not even want none, but they they it's give me the support. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that, that's my motivation. They keep me going. What would you say for you was like been maybe like the hardest part of business? Something you trying to figure out? The hardest part for me is um, with this, I make it, I bottle it, and I sell it. So by me making it, bottling it, and selling it, trying to keep up is the hardest part for me. Um, you got to think, if I got an order for uh, this person need 100 bottles, this person need 200 bottles, this person need 30 bottles, this person need 40, and I still need something to sell for myself. So just trying to keep up, man. Um, that's where I'm at right now, trying to uh, figuring things out because some days it become it, it seems like a assembly line. So, yeah, you know I mean, and, and it get hectic. It get hectic, right. man. And I can't just go in the kitchen and um, make. I mean, and that's why I don't have all flavors there, you know, just because um, I can't go in the kitchen and make one bottle or two bottles. I gotta make five gallons of this to get one bottle. Five gallons of this to get one mm. bottle. Five gallons of this to get one bottle. So, um, it's it's a process. Yeah, that that's kind of like how I feel about you know doing the video. I actually did it uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, editing videos and the audio and stuff is like that stuff takes time to you know to package everything up to edit the video, edit the audio, get it, it ready to online and cutting clips and sending out clips and stuff like that. Like yeah. it's a it's a whole entire process. And but um, but see look though, with that being said and, and in business, that's what people don't see. They don't see they it. don't see nope. that. And so they only see me selling lemonade or they only see the lemonade at this place and this, that and another. But like you were saying, man, I still gotta find the people that that the interview. I still gotta interview them. I still mm-hmm. gotta edit the video. I still gotta get these videos out before exactly. my next interview, and so on down the line. So mm-hmm. it's a process, man. So the, the only thing they gonna see is these cameras rolling and all this on there. That's right. all. That's it. Right. They didn't see you have to do your setup. Um, what you what you had to do to get here, uh, and so on down the line, man. So it's yeah, it's a lot of behind the scenes that go on. Absolutely. We we almost done. We are gonna get ready to. Uh, Wrap it up in a, in a few minutes. I saw a post. I think it's like at the top of your uh, your Facebook page. It's like a a video where I think it might have been you giving lemonade to your daughter or somebody giving lemonade to their daughter. That's at mm-hmm. the top of your page. Talk a little bit about that. Um, that right there is a video of my. I got a friend named Chris Gross. He owned the Plug Tire Shop in Greenville. Okay. And um, them guys they support me a lot. They they own a couple of tire shops around the way. And um, but that was a video of his daughter. He gave the lemonade to her. She actually, it's crazy you asking about that video. She actually came up with the name Blue Thunder, that little girl. Mm. So um, I really didn't have a name for it. The flavor is blue raspberry. I didn't have a name for it up until um, I went by the tie shop one day. I think I might have had a set up a food truck over there for him or something of the nature. And um, long story short, he bought lemonade for all his employees, which is what he do all the time. He bought it for all his employees, and then he also bought something for his daughter to take to the house. So he took it to the house, and um, she ended up telling him that she loved she loved the lemonade more than she loved him. Mm. And you know how you know how that daddy daughter yeah. relationship is. So for her to say like, "Daddy, I love this lemonade more than I love you." 
that was a lot for me. So I mean, that's that stuck with me. That was just pretty much motivation. And then, um, like I say, it didn't have a name. Uh, of course, it was Juice Man, but it, like far as that flavor, and um, she gave me the name Blue Thunder, and it stuck with it. That's just what it is. I mean, she was. She was the first little girl to say, you know, this is Blue Thunder. That's right? crazy. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I would have never thought of that as uh, far as Blue Thunder. I didn't know what to call it. Man, and, and stuck with it and keep on rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you say, um, what kind of goals would you say that you have, like, for yourself, that you, something that you don't mind sharing, like some goals that you have, like some big dreams or something that you want to accomplish in the future? Um, I was telling you earlier that Mr. Dendy used to do this when I was a kid. So um, I figure like one of my goals is for my sons to do this. I mean, this is a way to um, they can make some money, some good money, and um, they can create their own locations and you know and start stocking up those the locations that they got. So to see my boys do this, that'd be a good goal for me. I mean, it put them in position to where. They could always get money or always make a way for themselves. Cause I got my first job at 13, so if they can start selling lemonade, at, you know, at a young age to whoever they're around, or you know, that's that's a way to make a way for themselves. And you're giving them that exposure of seeing, like they can see you um, work. Um, they seen you, you, they've seen you work, but they also been able to see you as far as like you know having your own. Business. Man, so my kids don't believe I got a job. Mm. So if I tell my kids um, I'm at work, the first thing they're gonna say is, "Daddy thought you said lemonade." <laughs> <laughs> so they don't they don't believe that at all. They don't believe that. How often do you, are you out like selling lemonade now? I know you say you you um, have people that help you like um, at different locations sell it for you, but how often are you out actually like selling lemonade? Um, my cooler go everywhere I go, so. Um, Every day, like I was telling you, once I stock up everybody, whatever left over is going in my cooler and it's going in my trunk. So I could be at Walmart, I could be at the mall. I do sell a lot at the mall. I could be at uh, no matter where I go, my cooler is with me. So I mean, I'm out selling it every day. You know, so mm-hmm. so my, my my job is to make sure all these people stocked up, and then like I say, everywhere I go, um, you got lemonade, you got lemonade, you got lemonade. So uh, I gotta have it. Yeah. And man, one day it's gonna end up being in like one of these major stores. If there's something that you wanted to do, like it is right now. Right now, Black Sheep Meat Market is the biggest spot. That's my guy, Pat. Pat, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, me, yeah. Man, me and Pat used to work together at a Costco. He was a uh, shout out to Pat, man. Pat yeah. was a uh, Pat was the manager at the meat shop in Costco, and uh, I remember times where members would want meat cut a certain way, and he couldn't do it because. He had to do it the way Costco wanted it to. So, oh, yeah. man, Pat took all of that, what he learned from there. And just like you were them. saying, how you could call Ben and have a, you may have a simple question and it turned into a 30-minute conversation. That's how I ended up with Pat. Like, yeah. You know, Pat called me one day and we, we chopped it up or whatever. And a five-minute conversation turned into a 30-minute conversation. Pat, my, that's my guy, man. Yeah. I'll never forget, man. He, uh, Pat, one morning Pat came to me. He's like, hey, man, what's... What's one thing that a lot of these entrepreneurs have in common when you when you um, talk to them? And I was like, man, honestly, the one thing they all have in common is really just faith. Like it was like it never, um, it's never been a perfect time. They always just took a leap of faith and just did what they want to do in life. And then maybe like a week later, my uh, my homeboy Calvin came up to me and he was like, hey man, 
you you heard about Pat? I said, nah, what happened? He was like, Pat put in his two weeks notice right after that. And then when I talked to Pat, he's like, yeah, man, he's getting ready to go ahead and do his own thing. And I remember going up there to see him before the store opened. He was kind of like showing me around, went back again. It's crazy that you worked with Pat and I worked with Ben. Yeah. And they both got a store now. Yeah, you see. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. And, and his wife, Dana, she used to work with us too. She got good desserts. Yeah, I mean, man. I try to look, try to grab one every time I go in there. Yeah, man, she had the uh, when she first opened up, I went and got the uh, man. I got to go back by there again. The uh, it was a chocolate chip cupcake, and you bite into it, these chocolate chips down on the inside of it. Bruh, bruh, she got them right now in a in a two pack. Right now, she got them right in a now. two pack, and she got them in a two pack, and she got them in a one pack. So what I've been doing is I've been getting the chocolate chip one and a strawberry in a two pack. The chocolate chip, man. It, that's serious, man. But yeah, those are my people, man. It's crazy you said that. Shout out to Pat and Dana, though, yeah, man. So they always Pat is he um Salads by Miss Deb. That's that's a good one. Um, Tasty Teas. Um, and these are all in Greenville. All these okay, are in Greenville, okay. except for uh, Granny Hands. She's in Greenwood. Okay. Um, I do business with Granny Hands. Um, you got uh, a spot called Lux Lounge. It's in Greenwood. I mean, it's in Greenville as well. So um. Right now we just we just growing. Uh, I just got a big contract with ZF, so oh, that's um, major right there. Congratulations! As of July 10th, it'll be at uh, ZF Manufacturing. So, Man, that's that's a big deal right there. How did how did that make you feel? You know, working for uh, working with a, a partner with a major uh, corporation like that. But it's just I'm seeing the vision. Yeah, <laughs> it's all it's all unfolding, man. It's mm-hmm. unfolding, and that that was the whole point of me saying like um. With that dream bid stick with me so much because I didn't see it like that. I started out selling out, out my trunk in a clothes bin, and mm-hmm. I mean, and now it's like I got a coolers here, cooler there, cooler here, cooler mm-hmm. there, man. So it's just growing. That, that just lets you know, man, the power of faith and you know having a dream and a vision and working towards something, man. Um, because who would have thought, you know, like you were saying when you first started to where you are now. And now working partnering with a major corporation like that. I mean, even even when one of my business partners, uh, Tasty Tees, she started out cooking in a fryer. You know, we were set up in a parking lot. I would have my trunk open, and she had a fryer, and that's where she was dropping chicken in a fryer right mm-hmm. there as people ordered it. And today she in a restaurant. So, but that's what it takes, though, man. You just gotta start. Like I remember Ben was saying, like a lot of times we might look at a a Chick Fil A or McDonald's or a big restaurant like that or and think man this is a, a huge restaurant when we think it's impossible but they just started small just like anybody else well you know he always way up. he always say he going for little debbie he going yep, for little debbie going for little debbie so i mean my thing is i'm going for country time I'm go for so absolutely man i just you know i love i love hearing these type of stories like that man and then just knowing that we know some of the same people man but you know I'm always behind like somebody, you know, going at their dream of vision because, and it's it's not to, to knock anybody, but a lot of times most people just wake up and just go to work and don't even think about, you know, their future, what they want to do in life. Mm-hmm. We just think like that's what life is, and we just go through those motions for the next however many years right. until it's time to you know finally hang it up. Right. It's like man, it's so important to have like a dream or a vision, even if it doesn't work. I remember this. Um, we're getting ready to wrap it up. Remember when I asked Mr. Joe Foster like what his, what his advice would be? He would say, you know, whatever it is you want to like in life. He says you can tolerate more when you're young, but whatever it is you want to go for, he said whatever you want to do in life, go for it. Because if not, at the end of the day, he was like, you will regret it. Mm. 
no matter what it is. If you don't go for it, whatever it is you want out of life, you're going to wake up with regrets, and you don't want to feel that way. No matter how long it takes, no matter how old you are, if you got a dream or vision or something, just get started. And that's what I would tell people, no matter what it is, no matter even if you don't feel like you're ready, just get started. Oh, yeah. that that's Now, that right there, these last three, four years, if anybody been in the mix with me and they told me, they got this is what they want to do. This is what they got going on. I'm, I'm on something like if you ain't trying to do it right now, don't even talk to me about it. Exactly. Because don't matter if it, even if it don't work out, just do it. Uh, look, I mean, I understand you're not gonna know if it don't work out until you actually try it. But whatever the first step it is, even if just it's coming it. up with the, with a name or getting your LLC or getting your look, whatever gonna motivate you to go ahead and get started. Do it. If you're not going to do it right now, I don't want to hear about it. Tell him. Like I said, I, I ain't have nothing. None of this. No mics. No cameras. I had a laptop. and It's just straight audio that I recorded. I didn't even know how to edit the audio. So the audio was just me talking. And then at one point, I just ran out of words to say. So it's like a 10-minute gap where it's just complete silence. And then I just start back talking again. I ain't know how to edit. So I just took it. And the crazy thing about it, I was like, you know what? I'm posting every single thing that I ever recorded. I like, cause one day I wanna be able to go back and just listen to it again. So to this day right now, everything that I've ever recorded on a laptop is up right now. Well, everything. I told, a, I told a friend about a week ago, um, he mentioned starting a podcast and I told him like, if it start out slow, don't, you know, don't let that discourage you. That's cool. When you do get about your, your viewers up, you know, and followers, that gives them something to go back and watch. Mm -hmm. You know, or yep. just to see where you came from or something. Or, you know, say you got somebody that they looking for this show. You know, you get you gain clientele on on that end. Mm -hmm. They looking for a, a Carlo Smith show across the line to mm -hmm. drop every Friday or, you know, every Thursday. Yep. And here's another thing I would tell anybody starting a podcast. This is just a little tip as well. Just keep, really, it's like a no-brainer. Just keep going because a lot of times what will happen is, when you first come out the gate, people are all excited about it. They're going to post it, share it, congratulations. And on down the line, five, six, seven, eight, eight episodes in, then people just get comfortable and they get so used to you posting it. So it's like they already expecting it. They quit sharing it. They quit talking about it. You might not get as many views. Like your views may be way up in the beginning, and then over time it starts going down because people are just so used to, you, to, to seeing you posting it all the time. So that's when you find out if this is what you really want because people stop tuning in at that time. It's like after they seen you for the first couple of weeks, then it's like, all right, we already know what they expect from this person. But once once it goes down, like in that middle point, it's like a lot of people will quit because it's like, man, I'm not getting what I expected to get. It's not what it was in the beginning when I first started. Yeah. But that's when you find out is this something that you really want to do because People will start tuning in, will stop tuning in, then some people will stop. But like that's going to show you, like, if you're really in it for the right reasons, it's something that you really love doing. Right, so, right, right. And it's time-consuming. Yep, really is time-consuming. Time yep. And it's, it's easier, like, it's – I don't even know if I would say it's easier. It could be a lot harder with doing it with, um, like, if you have a co-host because then you, you got to work with your co-host schedule. So – you might work first shift, they might work second shift. So then nighttime might be the only time y'all can get together, but then that next morning you gotta go to work. Then yeah. when you get off this person at work. So it's like when you got a co-host, 
you got to figure all that out too. So mm-hmm. it's a lot that goes into building a pocket. It ain't just showing up and then everything lights, camera, action. Like you got to put time and effort into it. And then you got to take your time to, to do your homework. Because like I told you when I was about the Reebok interview, that interview was four months in the making. But before we even shot the interview, I was still on the road traveling for the self-investment tour, um, shooting multiple interviews, still pushing my book that I had just released. Meanwhile, I'm still reading his book, you know, studying up. So I'm prepared for when he comes on. Like He knows I took the time to like really prepare for this interview because no matter who's on, I never want the tech people to feel like I took their time for granted. Like I just showed up and just threw something out there. Like I want you to know that I prepared, I put hours into it to show you that I'm serious about your time. I value your time just like you value your time as well. And I don't want anybody to feel like they've been taken for granted. So that's why I prepare the way that I do. So I'll tell anybody, do your homework and make sure you prepare for whatever it is you want. Right, 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 right. So my, <laughs> my final question, um, as we get ready to wrap up this interview, this as part of the Cross the Line podcast, you know, when I'm on the road, I love asking everybody about, you know, you know, self investment and, you know, like everybody has their own definition of it. So for you, what does self investment mean to you? Um, to me, self investment is believing in yourself. If you believe in yourself and you can make anything happen. That's how I see it, man. When it comes to self-investment, I, just, I think about me. What what do I want to happen for me? What can I make happen for me? Absolutely. Put your best foot forward, man. And like I say, even if it doesn't work out the way you think it should in the beginning, you just got to keep on grinding, keep your head up, and keep going. So, Juice, man, I appreciate your time, man. I, I had a good you, conversation, man. man. I found out we had a lot more in common, man. We know some of the same people. Right, um, right. Similar background. Good people. Good yeah, people. Real, good really people. good people, really solid people, man. I got to get back up that way to go see Pat and Dana. So, if y'all watch this interview, I'm definitely coming to see y'all soon, though. But before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to find you? Uh, I always find me on everything is Juice Man Todd, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Everything is Juice Man Todd. Oh, and show them the uh, lemonade one more time in the camera so they can see it. We got Blue Thunder. And we got Real Lemonade. We got Passion Fruit, which is Juicy Fruit. We also got Strawberry, Grape, and Juice Man Palmer, which is Tea and Lemonade. Absolutely. So make sure y'all please go out, support Juice Man. I'll do the same. Good luck with everything, man. You know, we got each other's information now, so anytime, right. feel free to reach out. Okay, so I appreciate okay. you for I taking the time out. So hopefully everybody that watches this interview, hopefully you learned something. Till next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is the Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening.